We've got earnings, an honest question about Windows 11, and we've got Craig. Happy Friday, friends. Welcome back to the Thunderdome of podcasts. Okay, that is probably not true at all in the slightest. Uh, but for new people on the channel, because this happens every Friday, on Friday we do a wrap-up and start a deeper dive into some of the conversation points of the week, especially as they relate to Microsoft in the world of technology and other stuff like that. So in the world of tech, this week was a massive week of earnings. Everybody dropped their dollar due statements. And uh, honestly, I think everybody did exceptionally well. Now, depending on how you interpret some of the headlines, it looks like some companies missed, like somebody like Amazon, who missed on their revenue. And so their share pricing dropped, but they missed by about a billion dollars, which sounds like a lot until you realized it was something like they made 110 billion and Wall Street was looking for something like 111 billion, which is just a crazy number. Apple also technically missed too. And they said because of chip shortages, they they left about $6 billion on the table that they couldn't just get product out the door because they were short on chips. And so there's also Microsoft, well, Google, there's two, and Samsung, and they all just blew it out of the water. Just tons, everybody's up, um, including Microsoft. Microsoft just dropped phenomenal numbers for them. Uh, 45.3 billion in revenue and dollar dues coming in, uh, which means they put $20 billion of net income into the dollar due savings account. And so that is $20 billion that the company can then go out to use to buy gaming studios, other hardware, invest in services, or more than likely grow their cloud services because Azure grew at 50%. That is, that is phenomenal for a company of this maturity to still be growing at that rate, which is just showing how important the cloud is for Microsoft. Uh, Office consumer subscribers increased to 54.1. Uh, Windows revenue revenues from windows pc makers grew 10 percent during the quarter uh xbox content and services were basically flat but we know that they sold it was like 166 percent hardware sales improvements year over year but keep in mind that last year at this time the xbox series s and x were not on sale and so that year-to-year -year comparison is slightly skewed uh service revenue decreased by 17 percent they noted that there were supply constraints next quarter should be okay i think uh, the reason why I say, I think, now they did launch a bunch of new product, including like the Pro 8, the Surface Laptop Studio, which will help increase revenue if they can get them built. We don't quite know Microsoft's uh, chip shortage capacity yet, and we don't know how that's going to impact enterprise sales, although I hear that it, it's, there's some constraints, definitely on the enterprise side. And so, well, it, it, I, I don't know if it'll be up year over year. Typically, I would say yes, just because of the product that they launched, but the supply constraints can very easily just kind of cut that off at the knees and really impact uh you know the, the positive flowing revenue that should occur from new surface product launches so uh there's also a new windows 11 build uh preview that has a brand new msa interface or microsoft service account uh if that's your sort of thing which brings up an interesting point about windows 11 so windows 11 has been out for a few weeks now a few weeks now and I just want to pull out a couple things. I went back two iterations of Windows, and you're going to see where I'm going with this real quick. Uh, this is re relating to the Windows 8 release. Microsoft says that 4 million users upgraded to Windows 8 over the weekend after its release. So Microsoft came out trumpeting and says, hey, after the first week weekend release of Windows 8, 4 million people were using the OS. Now, with Windows 10, Microsoft said 24 hours after it was released, Microsoft announced that over 14 million devices were running Windows 10. Uh, I didn't go back any further to Windows 7 because it gets a little convoluted searching and, and XP like that as well. But here we are. So the past two versions of Windows, Microsoft has come out basically after the first week of availability announced how many people are running the devices. 
They haven't done that with Windows 11. They haven't done it. And we knew that the adoption rate was going to be slower because you needed TPM 2.0. You need an Intel 8th uh, gen and or newer chipset from Intel. And then we a similar story on the Zen side for AMD. It's a little interesting that Microsoft has not shared any numbers. And I was waiting to call this point out because I was waiting for earnings to drop because, again, that's a place where they could announce that type of figure. But we don't know how many people are running Windows 11 right now, which makes me think that maybe they're not doing as hot as we would hope. I would think that the adoption rate would be pretty strong, but candidly, a lot of people are really happy with Windows 10, and we already know the limitations of things that are happening with Windows 11, such as you can't right-mouse click on the taskbar without a third-party application, like ones that my company builds, uh, called Start 11. And so... It just, it's an interesting point. So the next notable time that something like this could come out would be Ignite, which is happening next week. And there's going to be a ton of news. I, I think we can confidently say next week there's going to be more talk of Windows at Ignite than we have seen probably since maybe 2016, 2017, probably somewhere around there. It has been a while since Windows has been a primary focus at Ignite. And I suspect that will change this year with the data or just because of what is coming um, next week, which it just... Something to think about as we look at Windows 11. It, Microsoft has already told us that they expected the rollout to initially be through like six to eight months, not until the springtime because they're doing it slowly, blah, blah, blah. We already know that narrative. But you would think that they would come out and just tell us like, hey, after a couple of weeks, bam. Um, but my guess here is that, my, my guess here is that they have 24-hour data, but it does, probably doesn't surpass that 14 million devices are running Windows 10 because I can guarantee that if it was like 20 million, they would be all over that. They would be pushing that and talking about how great it is. That's a faster adoption rate than Windows 10, at least initially. But we don't have the data. We don't have the data. The only data we do have, we have a little bit that comes from a duplex who has 5,000 apps in the Windows Store using their SDK. And they say that Windows 11 is on around 5% of PCs. But that might be... I, I tend to think that their numbers skew a little bit more positive just because people who are going to be downloading apps and that, that sort of mentality are probably a little bit more, I don't know, power users. I don't know if power users is the right word, but more enthusiasts along that line. But uh, that's the closest data we get. But We don't have anything official yet from Microsoft. Uh, we don't have those numbers. We don't also have Game Pass numbers either. Microsoft just likes to tell us vague percentages these days, even though they brought in $20 billion in net income, which is ridiculous. Uh, other things that were announced that are super interesting, although we're still missing some numbers, uh, are Intel's Alder Lake CPUs were announced. These are a big deal. I know if you're not, if you don't follow the CPU world closely, um, you might be wondering why. And the best analogy I can get, and some people are going to cringe at this, but I apologize in advance, but it's a good analogy for helping the, the layman understand. Uh, Intel's new chips have a similar-ish, focus on the ish, characteristic design to Apple's chips where they have a pr uh, power cores and efficiency cores, which means that they can offload background tasks to the efficiency cores. A perfect example that was used is potentially that you could put uh, your antivirus tasks will be pushed to the E cores, as they call them, the efficiency cores, rather than the power cores or performance cores, because they don't need that, which means they can run in the background without impacting the threading and the performance capabilities of the performance cores. Now, we don't have all of the benchmarks yet, and by all of them, I mean really anything meaningful from third parties. We do have some leaked benchmarks that they do look pretty darn good and optimistic. 
And so I'll be curious to see how this plays out. I think the bigger gains, honestly, are probably going to come, well, potentially, I should say, in the mobile arena, where you can have those efficiency cores, you know, pulling and sipping on a battery instead of having the same type of core just pulling a whole bunch of power through. Anyway, you look at it, this has been the most exciting time in Intel chipset history uh, that I can remember with their new CEO, which I, if I, somebody please correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe that when Pat left Intel, they were just getting started on this architecture that they're now launching. So Pat was there right when they started it. He left for about 10 years, something like that. And now he's back and they're launching the thing he left when he left the company. Just a little bit of uh, hilarious irony. But um, I'm really, really curious to see how this plays out. There's a lot of things going on with how these things are, are utilized. And uh, it's ex it's exciting because it's it's not only just different, but it's new and different. And so like, new and different. That's a great, great podcast brand. I'm sure that's why people log into this every week. But you guys get the idea. This is a this is new for Intel. This is effectively new for x86, at least from Intel. And so, you know, they've gotten some good pressure from AMD. And AMD is not slouching by any means. And so we'll see what Team Red comes up with. The best thing is it's a great time to be a consumer and watching this stuff because your options are getting more diverse, more exotic, and more performant while not necessarily draining the battery. So it's uh, it, it's really, really interesting. So um, there's also been courtesy of Zach, o, Zach over at Windows Central says, hey, uh, there's a Surface laptop running Windows 11 SE designed for education, and that is absolutely true. And I can even tell you that they were targeting a $300 price point for this product. And this product came about, if I remember correctly, when Microsoft uh, decided that they were going to get rid of Windows 10X, they were going to effectively take that UI, ram it into Windows 10, call it Windows 11. And it was around this time that they decided to build this product designed for education. So uh, I, I know that information is accurate and I don't know exactly the launch date, but I think it's going to be sooner rather than later. But keep in mind, this is an entry level Think Chromebook pricing style Windows 11 device directly from Microsoft itself. Now, it is a little interesting because they have things like the Surface Laptop Go, which I can tell you are not selling that well. Uh, and so they come out with something like this. It's a bit of a gamble. Uh, it's a bit of a gamble for the company, but it's nice to see them taking risk. And they've, they made $20 billion after paying all their bills this quarter. And so it's not like they can't afford to, to go down this route. So. Uh, on to the gaming news. There is some gaming news related to Craig, but a couple things. Age 4, Age of Empires 4 is now officially out. It got pretty darn good reviews. I have yet to play it myself, but it is on the back cat to get played. Uh, Xbox Series X can now get, or owners I should say, now get the 4K dashboard. So if you've not been buying one because you didn't have a 4K dashboard, I don't think that's anybody. Um, but just know that that is now available. Also, Microsoft announced this week, Twitch native streaming is coming to the Xbox platform. It's now with Alpha Insiders, again, making it easier for people to get their content up onto the Twitches and doing it directly from the console just makes life a little bit better. Uh, this was announced late last week before we get into the Halo news. Uh, Among Us is headed to the Xbox and PlayStation consoles, but it will be a part of Game Pass in December. And rounding out the news this week, late on Thursday night, 343 dropped some news about our boy Craig, and he had a glow up in the last year. They showed off some new character modeling. Basically, uh, they, you can see what Craig looked like last year, and you can kind of see what Craig looks like this year. Now, 
the modeling is it, it's honestly night and day difference it's like age 13 craig versus age like 18 craig uh like he really does look better and the graphics did get a pretty good improvement over the past year and so microsoft is now in the full steam ahead model with halo infinite we i mean we got the campaign trailer this week it's all about finding cortana uh or finding finding cortana and finding out what happened to cortana um, there's a new uh, AI persona, persona, and I don't want to go too much into it. You should really just watch the trailer because it does better than me vomiting into a microphone. But pretty good week. Pretty good week this week for Halo fans. Uh, pretty good week this week for people who enjoy finances because we got a ton of data from Microsoft. One of the more interesting things, too, is it looked like uh, Windows Server licensing was contracting a bit. And so that's a really big deal in the enterprise world. But it looks like all those dollars were getting shoved on over into Camp Azure. And so it's, uh, yeah, something to just keep your eye on. So uh, on to my favorite part of the week, my friends, which are questions. And we've got a handful in. So uh, Migui Migui says, so we already know that Xbox and PlayStation results in terms of incomes, games, and services. What's your opinion about them? Do you think the Game Pass strategy is paying off to Microsoft? And do you think that we will see big, more big game announcements about new games and studios being added to the Xbox family? So first thing first on that, it, it's the, the modeling of Xbox Game Pass is really coming into fruition this quarter. Now, I'm not saying it hasn't been good quarters previously. We've seen things like Flight Sim. Uh, we, we saw Age of, well, Age of Empires is launched in this quarter, so technically. Um, but we've seen like Psychonauts 2 launch earlier this year. But this quarter, we have Age of Empires 4, we have Forza Horizon 5, you have um, Halo Infinite. Like, there's some really big titles that are dropping in this quarter, which are hopefully, Microsoft is hoping, going to jack up that modeling. Now, the question becomes, is it successful yet? Well, considering the fact that we did not get Xbox Game Pass numbers doesn't mean it's not a success, but it also doesn't sound like it's some huge home run that is just blowing up the ecosystem. You got to remember, Netflix didn't just come onto the scene and just own the market. It takes time, and we are just now starting to see Microsoft's investments into the titles that are in this platform reach market. Yes, there's again, there's been things in the past, but as of right now, they haven't been the heroes of the brands, the quite literal halos of the Xbox world. And so we're going to get that here with this release, Halo Infinite. Yes, there's a, there was the Master Chief collection, but we all know how the Master Chief was completely boondoggled right out of the gate. And so it's a little too early to say if it's, if it's a, a failure or a massive success. But here's the one thing. It's given Microsoft a ton of positive PR. There's a, it was, I think it was by Hardwire. It was one of the, the meme or the uh, irony things that says, uh, user trying not to, pre pretending not to be Game Pass shill. And so, or something like that. It's basically like everybody who uses Game Pass is like, this is like a really good value. And Microsoft is getting a lot of positive press for it. So I think it's definitely been a net positive. Now, on the finance side, we don't quite know the full story yet. Have they made money explicitly through Game Pass I and Xbox Live for that matter? I don't know if they have. I, I, I don't know one way or another. I think it would be tough to say that they have because the titles like um halo are hundreds of millions of dollars and so it'll take time to make all that money back and it's in seven billion in bethesda um it's expensive to run these types of services but again microsoft after all of these expenses and everything they've done this quarter alone they made 20 billion dollars so it's not like microsoft can't afford it effectively i suspect what they're going to keep doing is keep putting money into the service 
as I don't know if lost leader is the right way to think about it, but they want to own the market. So there's a very rare, ch very little chance or very few chances, I should say, to become the Netflix of an industry. And right now, Microsoft is the Netflix of the gaming world. And so they don't want to lose that. So that was a really long ramble to think that, hey, like it's we're just now starting to see it get interesting because the products that they've invested in for years are really starting to materialize. It says, finally, could you compare the PlayStation results to the Xbox One? Um, I still need to dive all the way through the PlayStation. I believe they sold they're around like 13, 12, 13 million consoles. I'm going to do a deeper dive video explicitly trying to compare that and working backwards to see if we can figure out roughly how many consoles Microsoft has sold. Uh, we did get word from Amy Hood that they actually sold more consoles because they were able to produce more consoles uh, last quarter. So keep in mind, we're not talking about this quarter, quarter. we're talking about last quarter, so that would be July, August, and September, than they initially expected. And so uh, Microsoft hopefully will continue that through the end of the year, and they'll continue to sell every single one. Um, Meta Bear says, so Facebook is now Meta, or Meta, yeah, so that was a big thing that happened this week, Facebook is rebranding to Meta. Uh, in a similar fashion to how Google is actually Alphabet. In the long term, do you see Facebook and Meta succeeding in building themselves up in the Google and Microsoft conglomerate of services and devices? Fantastic question. Because, uh, so here's an interesting thing. Um, when Coca-Cola had a problem with their product, they took the cocaine, I believe it was Coca or whatever, out of it. That, that was kind of like how they solved it. Facebook is rebranding, but from what we understand, they're not changing anything other than the name. And so when Google became Alphabet, the founders actually are, are no longer at the company, right? And so Facebook... This Facebook's thing feels very like, well, we're getting drugged through the mud. Like nobody likes our service in the public anymore. Everyone talks how bad it is. Let's rebrand. But the thing is like Mark has an, is not announcing that he's stepping down from the board or only going to chairman role. We haven't seen any major shakeup in leadership. And so this really feels like they just pulled out like the Clorox wipe on the name, just kind of rubbed it over and says, we're going to call ourselves Meta. And that way people don't think we're Facebook. They're also killing the Oculus name, which I think is ridiculous. So it's not going to be Oculus Quest. It's going to be Meta Quest and it's going to be Meta Counts and all this stuff. And so I don't know. Like the thing is, the thing that annoys me is they have enough money. And anybody who works in marketing knows that rebranding it actually does work. Like if you do it right, it can work. The problem is is that they're changing their name, but they're not changing the core of the company and who they are and what they represent and how they operate. And so to me, I don't think this is going to be the same thing as like Coca-Cola going through their issues or Google uh, becoming Alphabet. And so I, I understand where they come from because at the end of the day, like their Facebook owning Oculus, like it, it does sort of like I understand where they where their justification is. But the problem is, is that this right now only feels like marketing. It doesn't feel like a core structural change to the company that is actually going to right the ship that is toppling democracies. So, um, yeah, there you go. Uh, Mr. PKI coming in with a question. He says, let's end. Well, you're not ending the questions this week, but you were getting close because I didn't sort them by date and time. Um, let's end the questions of this week with something different from Windows and Xbox. There was a lot of open source and dot, oh yes, dot net drama over the hot reload capability being available for everyone, or if it's only available as in the paid Visual Studio. So this is a, a way for developers to hot load uh, items without um, having to kill the app and shut down services. Um, do you think there is turmoil and angst occurring with the loss of Visual Studio sales due to the popularity of Visual Studio code? So this is an interesting question because this feature, this hot load feature was initially 
put into the bucket of Visual Studio proper, which is not a cheap product. The pricing can wild very can vary wildly depending on how you're buying it and whatever. Um, but then there's also Visual Studio Code, which is effectively free and you can go out and use it. And so this hot load feature was pulled and not made available in Studio Code and only made available in the Visual Studio proper. And then there was just backlash across the industry that says like, why would you do this? And like Microsoft is the devil. And it's like, they felt like the old Microsoft way and they got slammed. And so the Microsoft recanted uh, and said, hey, look, okay, we'll make it part of Visual Studio Code and developers like, yeah, and all that stuff. Uh, so the question becomes is Microsoft, did Microsoft make that decision purely because they're losing developers and revenue from that because so Visual Studio Code is quite good. I tend to think there might be something there to that because why else would they be doing this? If they didn't think that people weren't upgrading and eventually going to Visual Studio proper, why, you know, why would they draw this line in the sand right here? I suspect that there is definitely some friction there about where features fall in, into code or Visual Studio. And I understand Microsoft, again, is in a business to make money. They made $20 billion and they would have loved to have made $21 billion in net income. And you do that by putting features over the, the paywall or the fence, as sometimes it's called of where you got to pay. And so it would not surprise me if Microsoft is seeing struggles with Visual Studio because code is becoming quite good. So uh, Axumo, Axumo says, will Ignite have enough Windows content for Paul next week? I suspect they will. As I noted earlier in this podcast, we should see more Windows content and talk probably at this Ignite than we have seen in several, several years. And Sydney 2 k wrapping up the podcast with saying, how are you feeling about the Halo Infinite uh, feeling about how about Halo Infinite after the campaign showcase this week? I think I'm a little bit more optimistic. Um, I, like, I, I think I'm trying to contain the excitement of around playing Halo and, and watching the trailers because you got to remember, like, they're not going to put out a well, they did in July, I guess, last year. Uh, they're, they're not going to put out a trailer that makes the product not look good, especially this late, especially after a year, especially after hundreds of millions of dollars being invested into Halo Infinite. And so, yeah, uh, I, I think that the campaign looks pretty good. I think the story I'm, I'm up in the air on the story i'm typically not a great story person anyways i just like to run through and and, and knock heads off with sniper rifles and, and that kind of stuff in a halo game especially but some of the, the cinematics and the banshee and the flying and the and mechanics look pretty good it looks much more open world than we have seen in the traditional sort of on rails if you will halo experience where you just got to walk through levels in a, a defined area it looks like you have multiple paths uh, to potential knocking out uh, um, a campaign level so it's a little too early to say like yeah i think it looks good but let me put it this way i'm happy we got campaign footage i'm happy we understand the basis or the premise of the actual story now i'm happy we got to see some actual campaign footage and we have an understanding of how things mechanically are going to play out now the question becomes is will microsoft make money on this selling only the single player campaign at 60 dollars a pop keep in mind the multiplayer is going to be free so they're trying to get a lot of people in there. I guess there's going to be a lot of uh, in-game purchasing on the on the multiplayer side. Obviously, they've got Game Pass and everything else going on. And so, uh, long story short, I think the campaign video looked pretty good. So I would be shocked if it was anything else. So there you go, guys. That is like just wrapping it all up into a nice little podcast nugget for the week. The things that I find interesting, hopefully you do as well. Diving into those Windows 11 numbers are the next big thing. <laughs> if they could just give us Windows 11 numbers and Game Pass numbers, I would probably, uh, I, I would celebrate. Uh, those are the two big things I am looking for out of Microsoft. Not expecting things anytime soon. Maybe at Ignite, we might hear about Windows 11 a little bit, but 
If you'd want to know when that number drops eventually, make sure to keep it subscribed here because the only BS on this podcast is me.